welcome to Covenant Presbyterian Church of Fort Smith's weekly sermon podcast. Covenant is a church devoted to theological depth, intimate relationships, joyous worship, relentless evangelism, and sacrificial service. Coming up, a sermon from our series, The Imprecatory Psalms. Here now is our pastor, Dr. John Clayton. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He seeks an ambush in the villages, or rather he sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's go to Him dependently in prayer. O Lord our God, Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive Your truth, in faith and love, that we may be obedient to your will and live always for your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you forget that we live in a world under a curse, that we are surrounded by the fallen in sin, you can get really discouraged fast, right? I mean, many of us do from time to time get discouraged and just looking around and seeing the condition of this world. And sometimes I wonder about Noah, whom Scripture says 
was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, who walked with God. And I wonder, what did it feel like for Noah to live surrounded by the wicked? In which Scripture says, every inclination of the thoughts of their minds was only evil all the time. Was it discouraging for a man who walked with God to witness mass faithlessness? God did reveal to Noah, as you know, the judgment to come in the flood. But again, think about his circumstances. Noah worked every day toward an unfathomable event. Something that had never happened in the world prior to it. While he was surrounded by people who were in rebellion against God. The writer of Hebrews takes note of this. Saying, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah lived by faith. He listened to God's word. He obeyed God's word, condemning a perilous age of human depravity. And God sustained him. God sustained him by his grace, saving him and his family from judgment. Likewise, God has given us his word. And he sustains us by his grace through faith. We too are called to live obediently, Amidst a wicked people. But in living out our faith, it is easy, well, it's really easy to look around and get discouraged. And it is here that we may cry with the psalmist, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Where is God? Where is God when it seems that wickedness prevails? Has He turned a blind eye to evil? In our backyard and around the world, we witness the arrogance of the wicked as they prey, not upon the able and powerful, but as they prey upon the vulnerable. We see it and wonder, why does God let this continue? We know that he can thwart the ways of the wicked, but while they deny God's authority, while they despise God's truth, they renounce his reign, they seemingly get what they want when they want it. They are worshipers, no doubt about it, of themselves, relishing the rewards of their prosperity with no regard to their provider. The psalmist says, the wicked's ways prosper at all times. Which is poetic hyperbole to be sure, but it emphasizes the conundrum. Why do the wicked prosper at all? Why do the wicked prosper at all? If God judged the sinful world in the flood and Sodom with fire, why does He allow the wicked, to populate? Why does he allow the wicked to prosper? 
Why does he seem silent when justice should be served? Why doesn't he immediately destroy that which is offensive to him? That which is an affront to his holiness? Such are the mysteries of God's providence. Though what we witness troubles us, it's really helpful here to remember this is nothing new, but has been the case since the fall. And I would also remind you on the topic of Noah, while the flood wiped out almost all of mankind, God preserved those in the ark who were descendants of Adam. And they progenerated us, sinners just like them. And this is the world in which we live. But we should also remember that this is not how it will always be. The Apostle Peter explains that the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. And so while we do not witness God's judgment when we expect it, its certainty is no less sure. We must remember that your impatience and my impatience, right? Guilty as charged. Our impatience often jades our perspective. Not realizing that what we presume to be God's silence is God's patience. Peter says, But do not overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's presumed silence does not prove His absence, nor does God play some kind of cosmic hide-and-seek. Let me put it this way. Regardless of how we feel, to be sure, as the psalmist says, our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. But I want to come back to this conundrum of why do the wicked prosper? And in a litany of examples, the psalmist recounts the ways of the wicked. When I was working on this sermon this last week, and I was talking to Sydney, who was out of town, and we're talking by phone, she says, How, how's the sermon going? And I'm like, well, it's, it's, it's not going very well. And she said, why? And I said, how many different ways can you say that the wicked are... Wicked. Well, the psalmist finds plenty of ways, doesn't he? I mean, the wicked lives as if they have no need of God and they're happy without Him. The wicked use their tongues. How? Like weapons, the psalmist says. Twisting and turning the truth for their own gain. It is as if the more they lie, the more they are rewarded. And their worldly success just seems to justify it. The world says, 
Well, look. Success is obvious. Look at them. Who cares if they're wicked? At least they're successful. Trouble and evil seem to work to their advantage. And when you look at them, it really does seem, as the psalmist draws to our attention, that like might makes right. Why? Why do the wicked prosper? Well, first, to be clear, the wicked do not always prosper, and all who prosper are not wicked. Think about Abraham. Abraham prospered from a worldly sense, and he faithfully feared the Lord. We think also of King Saul who also prospered from a worldly sense, but he fell into sin and he spiraled downward as a result of the consequences, or rather as consequence. And our Proverbs, our Proverbs are full of truisms, teaching us the truth, that there are benefits to righteous living and that consequences of sin are real. Righteousness really does win. In the end. But not every day. Furthermore, we should be careful not to readily accept the world's definition of prosperity. And I think it's really important as Americans who live in an affluent society. Because if we think and if we adopt the world's definition of prosperity, then, well, it really does seem like wickedness is rewarded. The gospel that the world considers worthless is of infinite value to us. And so these are two diametrically opposed perspectives of what real wealth is. Through faith in Christ, God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it. If I'm going to compare worldly prosperity and heavenly prosperity, Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And so when we consider prosperity, let us not think of the wicked and their way. Let us think, as Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 3, of the unfathomable riches of Christ. Father, you cannot wrap your mind around the wealth that you have in Christ. So stop looking to the world for your definition of prosperity. It's also helpful to remind ourselves what God said through Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The reality is, is that we do not, we cannot, we will not understand 
all that God has purposed or planned. And the older I get, the more I understand that truth. Many of you do as well. I look back at Scripture. Why would God allow Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery? It was evil. Why would God allow that? Why would God bless a pagan, idolatrous nation like Egypt and bless them and keep them through a worldwide famine? And why would God permit Israel's children to be enslaved in Egypt? Well, many of you know the answer. But we wouldn't know unless Scripture revealed it. Which, thankfully, Scripture does. That God intended to judge Egypt. He intended to bring Israel into the promised land. And He intended to destroy the Amorites. But what we often forget is that what takes us just a couple of seconds to read in our Bible took 400 years to unfold. (laughs) The point is this. Don't interpret God's patience by your watch, your calendar, or your lifespan. Everything. Everything that happens, every second of every day is according to the eternal purpose of God and the counsel of His will for His own glory. We may not understand it all, but that does not change the fact that God preserves and governs all His creatures and all their actions according to His holiness, wisdom, And power. And so when we read in the Proverbs, for example, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble, we may know that there is purpose even in the prosperity of the wicked. When we are tempted to look at the world and deduce that we are spiraling out of control. Let us instead, like Noah, listen to and obey God's Word. Trusting Him who when He tells us to build an ark, He will bring the rain. Such, however, does not make us determinists. I know many make that false accusation about us, but we're not determinists. We are called to Call out to God. In fact, God mysteriously works through the prayers of His people. Let us remember that the end of His parable, when Jesus was telling the parable of the persistent widow, and her coming before the judge repeatedly, so forth and so on, then Jesus says this, Will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Rightly do we pray that God's justice will prevail over wickedness. In fact, we too can pray with the psalmist. Let the wicked be caught in the schemes that they have devised. We too may plea, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. 
which in essence is an appeal to God's strength to act powerfully on behalf of the afflicted. And yes, we may even pray, we may even petition the Lord, break the arm of the wicked and evildoer, which is an appeal for God to break the power of the wicked in their evil doing, to hold them accountable down to the very last one. And so we pray every Lord's Day, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The wicked man continues to deceive himself. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. And yet, he lives and he moves and he has his being by God's common grace. Any prosperity that the wicked enjoy in this life is under the authority and according to the ordination of God. And though he may think, oh well, God, he's, he's hidden his face. The truth is, according to Hebrews chapter 4, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The wicked deny, or they at least ignore that that day will come. But Peter says this, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. On that day, every knee shall bow to the Lord and every tongue shall confess, the Lord is King forever and ever. And though the wicked scorn God's patience, He will purge the land of the wicked and faithlessness. So the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, Peter says, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And we are. That is our hope. We are waiting, knowing that until that day, we can be sure that He really does incline His ear to us, hearing our desires, strengthening our hearts, and preserving us in the righteousness of Christ till He come. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, there are so many mysteries in this life that become so much more mysterious when we look to the world for answers. But your word is true and eternal. May we be faithful to go to your word and so learn and so live. May we be faithful to trust that we do not, nor will we understand 
all things, but we may trust in you. For you indeed are sovereign over all things, even the wicked. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we look in whom we believe that He has redeemed us, that we might have life eternal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you have grown in your knowledge of and love for God. Covenant Presbyterian is a PCA church that meets for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., our address is 120 North 9th Street in historic downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. For more information about Covenant, visit our website at www.cpcfs.org.